Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Jay Ferber. Jay is a critically acclaimed comic book and television writer. Currently, he is a writer for the CW TV series Supergirl. He is also known for co-creating and writing such comic book series as Elsewhere, Copperhead, Noble Causes, Dynamo 5, and Near Death at Image Comics and has worked on such iconic titles as Generation X, X X-Men, and New Warriors for Marvel Comics, as well as The Titans and Green Lantern for DC Comics. He was also a writer on the TV series Starcross and Zoo. Jay, that is a very impressive bio. Welcome to the show. Really excited to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. My first question always is, where are you in the world right now? Can you tell us, I assume you're working remote, where are you? Yes, uh, I live in uh, sunny, sweltering Burbank, California, where it is currently uh, almost 90 degrees at 11 o'clock in the morning. And yes, the Supergirl show uh, for the past, gosh, what, I think since March, we've been working remotely uh, uh, via Zoom. Tell us what you're working on right now. You mentioned Supergirl. Comic book-wise, are you working on anything? Walk us through kind of what your day-to-day is. I know you mentioned that certain comic book stuff isn't announced yet. Right. Right now, we're, I, I'm approaching... I, Supergirl's been on hiatus since the end of May, so I've just been kind of puttering around on my own stuff. Uh, I wrote a graphic novel that an artist named Justin Greenwood is drawing, uh, and uh, we haven't quite decided where we're going to release that or how yet. We're playing around with a few different options. Is it going to be digital? Or are we going to crowdfund it? Are we going to go traditional publishing? Uh, we don't know. We just, we wanted to work together for a long time and I had an idea that Justin was excited about. And so we've just been kind of hammering away at that on our own. And it's a kind of a science fiction, uh, thriller, I guess. And, uh, what else do I have coming up? I put together a story for an anthology that it's, uh, some friends are, are organizing and it's, it's like a little kind of horror Western story. Uh, but again, I don't know when that's going to be released. I think it's going to be a Kickstarter project. So yeah, in between that, I've just been uh, uh, enjoying uh, being at home. And uh, I'm fortunate that we have a backyard and I can get out <laughs> and, uh, and enjoy being outside. I have a son. So just hanging out with him uh, before Supergirl starts up again. We start up again in about a week. Uh, so then it'll be uh, nose to the grindstone. While we're on the topic of working remote, working from home, obviously during the quarantine, for the writers who are listening right now, maybe struggling a little bit, whether it's, you know, just being cooped up inside or, you know, writer's block, all those things. Do you have any suggestions for how they can kind of work through some of those challenges working from home? I mean, I I think my first suggestion would be to just take the pressure off yourself that, you know, we are living in unprecedented times and there's no, you know, I'm no expert, but everybody is experiencing some level of trauma or perhaps depression or what have you. And uh, so that this feeling that, you know, well, you're cooped up, you should just create, just write some stuff. You know, if you're feeling that, 
great, go for it. But don't feel like you need to. Don't feel like there's some burden or pressure on you or that you're less than if, you know, the pandemic ends and life starts to go back to normal and you haven't written your your big project. That's totally fine. Just getting through this with your sanity intact, uh, I think, is all that anyone can hope for. If writing is an escape for you, then, yeah, go for it. Uh, use it however you can. Write towards the pandemic, you know, if it's, if it, if it's cathartic to you or, or you feel energized by writing about this experience, I would say go for that as well. But at the same time, if you just want to write pure escapism, go for that too. Just whatever you're passionate about, uh, whatever you feel inspired by. But again, I think my biggest takeaway is if it's hard for you or it's just not happening, don't beat yourself up about it. Love that. You mentioned Supergirl. Obviously, you're working on that show and you're a TV writer that is based on a comic book, on a TV show that's based on a comic book. Is that a common kind of thing? Can you walk us through the trajectory that got you from being a TV writer in the first place to the point where you're working on a TV show that's based on a comic book? Yeah, it was, it was just sort of a... It wasn't something that I, I worked towards. Um, you know, I, I love comic books and I love television, but I, I love more television than just comic book TV shows, if that makes sense. So, you know, the first few shows I was on were not comic book related at all. And then, uh, you know, I, I was always a fan of the CW shows, the, the superhero universe they put together. And uh, my manager just mentioned to me that they had an opening and were looking for a, a writer of, of my level. And they particularly needed somebody who had a big kind of comic book background uh, because there had been some staff turnover and uh, they, they, they needed some more nerds on their staff, I guess. Uh, and so I took a meeting and, you know, we, we got along and they seemed to like what I had to say. And, you know, I started on the show a few days later. Uh, it, it was just kind of right place, right time sort of a thing that, that my background and what I was passionate about coincided with what the Supergirl staff was looking for at that time. Let's travel back even farther in time to before you know you even had the opportunity. You mentioned you got it through an agent or manager. But before that, did you always want to be a comic writer, first and foremost, uh, when you were growing up? Or how did you kind of get walk us through that point in time? Yeah, growing up, I, I loved comics and I loved television. And then in high school, I, I started discovering mystery novels and uh, I just knew I wanted to tell stories. And in high school, I thought I wanted to be a comic book artist. So I spent a lot of time writing and drawing my own comic books and drawing superheroes. And, you know, I took as many art classes as I could. Uh, and my first year of college, I went to a junior college in Pennsylvania as an art major and realized I just didn't have the discipline for it. You know, art takes a lot of time. You know, it takes, on average, a full day to draw one comic book page. And uh, I just didn't have the patience for it or the discipline to, to, to buckle down and do that. And I kind of realized as I sort of did some soul searching that, that I really wanted to tell stories. And drawing was just an avenue to tell those stories, but I could just as easily write them. And kind of once that switch went off in my head, I switched wholeheartedly towards writing and never looked back at drawing. And at that point, I wanted to write comics. I wanted to write novels. I kind of wanted to write TV, but that was such a foreign concept to me. I knew I grew up in, in a small town in Pennsylvania, and I knew no one who worked in television. Uh, and it just seemed, it, it wasn't even on my radar as something that could happen. So it wasn't something, like I didn't go to film school. 
Uh, it wasn't something I ever even thought was attainable, but somehow in my brain, comic books or novels were. Uh, and so I just kind of pursued those paths and the comic book door kind of opened it for me first. I, I made some friends who were just starting to break in at DC and, uh, you know, I just made some connections with editors and, and that's just kind of where I ended up getting published first. And then my whole career path was just sort of consumed by comic books for a good, almost, you know, 15 years probably before I really got serious about television. And at that point, some friends of mine that I knew from comic books were starting to make inroads into television and that kind of inspired me uh, to give it a shot. And uh, I applied to different TV studios have their own kind of writers programs where they try to, you know, they find uh, up and coming writers and, and train them for TV writing. Warner brothers has a program universal NBC has a program. ABC has one CBS has one. So I applied to all of them and ended up getting in at Warner Brothers. And I went to this, I moved to LA and went through this Warner Brothers program. And that led me to get staffed on Ringer, my first uh, TV staff job. Uh, but it was all sort of along, you know, that was a 20 year process, what I just summed up for you. As far as theme of this episode, last week we talked how to write TV and film. This week I would love to talk to you about how to write TV and comic books and how those two mediums are similar and different. Does that sound good? Yeah, of course. I guess we could start from the beginning, perhaps where ideas come from. Obviously, that's probably a common question you get a lot. For comic books, you've written both originals and have worked for the big companies. Can you walk us through kind of where some of these ideas come from? I know it's a loaded question. For me, I don't know exactly where my ideas come from. I just know that Sort of my my guiding principle when I write, when I'm, when I'm creating something for myself, not writing on someone else's show or someone else's characters, is I just want to tell the kind of story I would want to watch or read. It's that simple, I, I think, is that, you know, I, I don't try to game what the market wants or what I think an audience would want or what I think I could sell. I just want to tell the kinds of stories that I enjoy. Uh, and, and that's it, it, everything builds from there. And when I've settled on, okay, I want to kind of tell this kind of story, then it's a matter of, okay, what do I bring to this story that hasn't been done before? What, what's my unique twist on this story or my unique approach or my unique voice? Uh, what can I do to make this story different? Or, or you know, if I'm telling a uh, murder mystery story, you know, there have been hundreds and hundreds and thousands of, of murder mystery stories over the years. What makes mine different? What makes mine stand out? Is it the characters? Is it, uh, you know, the, the, the method of death or, or, or whatever? Uh, and usually I think it's character. It's usually character and, and tone and voice is what helps things stand out or, or makes them different than what's come before. Uh, but for me, it all starts with, I just want to tell the kind of stories that I enjoy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm my primary audience and I just have to hope and trust that my enthusiasm for those kinds of stories will translate into enthusiasm in the audience, if that makes any sense. Would you say there's a similarity between working for a pre-existing IP in the comic book world as opposed to working for a TV show, let's say Supergirl, where that's also an existing IP? Are there similarities kind of being thrown into writing for those two? Yeah, for sure. And I think the similarity is all that at the end of the day, it's not yours. It's, uh, you know, it's 
what you're really you're you're servicing someone else's voice, someone else's vision, uh, and that could be the vision. You know, in TV, it's the vision of your showrunner. In comics, it's the vision of the editor. I mean, comics is a little bit different because the editor isn't dictating a story to you. It's just the editor sort of uh, keeps the guardrails up, I guess, um, and and you know tells you what you can and can't do with a character. But it's still, at the end of the day, both in comics and television, when you're working on on someone else's IP, it's not yours. There's always going to be rules and uh, you know sort of guidelines you have to stay within. There's different opportunities for freedom and creative expression, but it it varies from assignment to assignment as terms of how much leeway you have. Uh, you know, there are some comics where you have a tremendous amount of leeway. You know, as long as you don't kill off the character you're writing, it's all good. Other times, there'll be much more sort of narrowly defined parameters that, well, you can't do this with a character and you can't change that and you have to keep this intact. And uh, it, it kind of depends on on the gig, I think, and the circumstances. What about the process of developing characters? Obviously, when you're writing a comic, that's an important part to get into before you start kind of writing. When you start a TV show, what is that process like coming up with the characters and then are there similarities, differences? You know, I can only speak to that to some degree, only because I've never, I haven't successfully created my own show yet. Uh, I've been on a couple first season shows where you're figuring some of that out, but but at that point, the showrunner has already written a pilot and there's, you know, has already done a lot of that work. Uh, and with comics, I think there's there's many different approaches to this. For me personally, I don't like to know too much about my characters when I start. I like to kind of discover things about them along the way. You know, I know some writers will write detailed character biographies and, and you know, what's their favorite color and, you know, uh, uh, how many siblings the character has. And that sort of thing I like to kind of fill in as I go. And as, you know, a story point may present itself that lends itself to having a, a sibling to this character that we hadn't thought of before. Uh, and I like being free to make that kind of discovery. Um, in television, I think you do have to do a little more of that work up front uh, because you have to convince a studio and a network to buy your show and to put your show on the air. So you do have to know a lot about your characters and the world they're inhabiting. So you do have to kind of flesh a lot of that out before you know you're really writing episodes. Uh, but and there's value to that because it does help inform the stories you're telling. Uh, but I always kind of like to leave at least some of it up to just sort of the thrill of discovery as you're telling these stories, I guess. You mentioned that you don't love to go into too, too much detail as you were, you know, working on characters. Are there minimal things that you should know, though? Are there, some people suggest they should have a secret or things to that effect. Are there a few things that you do decide when you say, okay, this is what I need to know about this character? Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, the main thing is what do they want? Because that's the key to any kind of drama uh, is, or any story even, it doesn't have to be drama, just a character has to want something and then there has to be some kind of obstacle preventing them from achieving it. Whether And that could be an external goal or an internal goal. Uh, it could be a thing or a person or a, a, you know just something esoteric. Um, so yes, I have to know like, what does my character want? Why can't they get it? And, you know, what are the consequences? What happens if they get it? And what happens if they don't get it? You know, what are the stakes? Those things, I think, you you have to have uh, before you can really effectively tell your story. Um, 
And so, and, it, and it's challenging in particular, like if you're telling a story of, to go back to my murder mystery example, if you're telling a story of a detective solving a crime, you know, there's a version where the detective is literally just there to solve a mystery. And there ha- the detective has no rooting interest in the solution to the mystery whatsoever. And that's valid, but it's also kind of dry. And, you know, you have a lot of work ahead of you to, to just sort of keep the audience interested. Another option is to give that detective some kind of emotional stake in the story. You know, is it was it his best friend who got murdered? Uh, you know, is there some other crime that he committed that he's trying to keep from being discovered? And if he solves this murder, it'll keep everything under wraps. You know, there's there's ways to kind of complicate things and uh, and just make your story more engrossing if the characters want is tied into the to the, the story you're telling. If that makes sense. For a TV show, usually there's a series Bible where it contains the characters and the world building kind of stuff. Same thing for a comic book. Are those two things similar from your experience? There is, again, sort of depending on the circumstance. Like most, if you're doing a book at, at Marvel or DC, you know, where you don't own the characters, uh, then yeah, they're going to want a, a Bible or an outline or, or, or something to tell you, to tell the editor, you know, where is your story going? What's the ending? What are the complications along the way? Uh, so you're going to have to map that stuff out. And the same thing in, in television. You know, if, if you're selling a show, you need a series Bible. Uh, at some point, the studio is going to ask you to write something up just to give them an overview of where the show is going. What's your season finale? You know, how does it have legs beyond that? I think an exception is a lot of the work I've done has been in image comics where, you know, I own the characters. And so a lot of the work I've done there there's been a lot less image doesn't require a Bible or anything like that. You know, so if you want to write something up, it's really just for yourself. And there's been plenty of books I've created at image uh, where I've had no Bible. I've literally just gone in and started writing and just, you know, fleshed it out, made it up as I went along. The first issue of Copperhead ends with the the kind of cliffhanger is the discovery of this uh, multiple murder in, in a house. And, I wrote that issue with no idea who did the murder or why and just had to kind of figure it out as I went along. And, and somehow I think it holds together. Uh, but that was really just me making up a murder mystery as I went along issue by issue until I had to resolve it at the end of, I think, the fifth issue. Uh, and I, it's kind of walking without a net, but I was able to pull it off, I think. I don't like to work that way all the time, but it is possible. But to get back to your question, that yeah, if, if you're working you know, on somebody else's IP or you're doing a show where you have to convince a studio or a network uh, you know, to greenlight it, then yeah, you're going to need some kind of Bible, some kind of story document that will tell them where the story is going so that they know that you know, <laughs> uh, you know what you're doing. And what about for the actual, whether it's the pilot or there's the comic itself, as you're about to write that, usually you work with an outline of some sort, would you say the outline and the plotting prior to actually sitting down writing the script is similar between those two? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they, they may look different in terms of formatting and length and stuff, but, but uh, an outline for a comic book is, is very similar to an outline for a TV show. Uh, you know, you, you just kind of do, whether it's bullet points or kind of slug lines at the head or, or, you know, with comics, the way I do an outline is usually like pages one through four Here's what happens in this scene. Pages five through eight. Here's what happens in this scene. In a TV outline, it would be a slug line of, you know, interior warehouse. 
Here's what happens in this scene. The next fun line, exterior parking lot. Here's what happens in this scene. Uh, so you're just sort of breaking down. It's basically, here's the story without all the dialogue and the specifics. Um, and a TV outline can run anywhere from eight pages to I've seen them as high as, you know, 25 pages. And the 25 page outlines, you can go off and write a script based on that outline pretty easily because they're so thorough. Um, the downside is the studio can get tired of reading outlines that long because they're just so time consuming. Uh, so I've been on a show where we were asked to shorten our outlines because they were just getting too long. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. And what about the scripts themselves? I imagine it's similar to what you were just describing between the outlines. But the scripts, obviously, between a television film script, obviously a comic book script usually will have maybe a page or panel delineation. From your experience, would you say that the two are pretty similar? They're similar in some regards and very different in others. You know, with TV and film, there's a pretty standardized film script format. You know, there'll be slight variations from show to show and, you know, movie to movie and writer to writer. But we're talking about, you know, do you bold your slug lines or do you underline them or both or neither? You know, do you do a double space in between each slug line, that kind of thing? Uh, but they still look pretty uniform. Whereas comic books, there's no set standard for a comic book script. One of my scripts is going to look very, very different from the scripts of Robert Kirkman or Ed Brubaker or Brian Vaughn. Or Everybody has a very different format and there's no right or wrong way. As long as you're communicating you know, your story and what should be on the page to an artist and an editor and the creative team, it's all good. And those are all sort of cosmetic differences. The, the biggest difference, I think, between writing for moving pictures and comic books is in comics, you know, you're, it's static images, it's set images. So in comic books, if you're breaking down a story by panel, each panel represents a moment in time, a single moment in time. So in comic books, you can't have a panel that says, John walks across the room and opens the door. You can say John walks across the room, or you can say John opens the door, but you can't 
show both of those things in one panel. I mean, you could if you're using like multiple images of John, but you have to really think about what you're showing on that panel and what you can achieve in a single image. Whereas in film and television, you could just say interior John's apartment, John gets up, walks across the room and opens a door. It's easy. You know, people know how to shoot that. So it's, I, I think it's, I think I had it easier going from comic books to TV than vice versa. Cause I, I've seen a lot of TV and film writers write a comic book script and sort of not grasp that kind of quirk in, in comic books that you're talking, you're talking about a still image uh, and there's only so much you can convey in a single panel. Uh, so that's it. Whereas television, it's much more freeing to say, you know, oh, he gets up, walks across the room, gets a Coke out of the fridge, opens the door. You can say all those things, and it's easy to shoot that in one continuous shot if you want to. Would you say there's a reason, in your opinion, why in the comic book world, the comic book script hasn't been standardized, while the film and TV script has become so standardized? There's so many books about it, and there's you tend to have to follow that particular style, whereas opposed to what you said about comic books, you really don't. It's really about the artist and the writer. Yeah, I think, and, and this is, I haven't given this much thought, so it's just my opinion. There may be better answers than this, but I think it's really just a matter of TV and movie scripts. You know, you have hundreds of people on the crew who have to read this script and understand it and know, you know, how their job is affected by it and what they need to do to achieve what's in the script. So if you have all scripts looking different with different kinds of formatting and stuff, it's going to be a lot of headaches to get everybody on the same page as to exactly what you want to achieve and, and, and what you're trying to say. Whereas in comic books, if your script looks different, you're still only dealing with, you know, at best five people, maybe, sometimes less, sometimes a lot less in terms of, you know, you have your editor, you have the artist, the colorist, the letterer, and, you know, a simple phone call can get everybody on the same page pretty quickly. So I think that's part of it is that there hasn't been a huge need for comic book scripts to get sort of standardized. Uh, And it's also just, you know, there's different publishers who are in competition with each other. And I don't think any one company would want to seem like they're sort of subservient to the standard set by another one. There's that at play as well. Uh, But I think really the beginning of my answer in terms of film and TV scripts needing to be standardized so that everybody can do their job most effectively is probably what has driven that. As far as the actual writing process itself, walk us through the experience of what it's like. You know, writing comic books is usually a pretty isolated, solo experience. As opposed to a TV show, you're writing in a writer's room where there's lots of voices, lots of people. Can you walk us through the differences? Yeah. I mean, you kind of summed it up already that, that comic books you know, can be very solitary. Uh, You know, a lot of your writing, you're just sitting in a room by yourself. Uh, You know, some writers have a very sort of free-flowing back and forth with their editor or with the artists they're working with or sometimes a co-writer. And so there's ways to get that collaborative spirit uh, involved. But still, you're spending a lot of time on your own coming up with this story. Uh, Whereas television is sort of the opposite, at least most shows. Every show is different, but the, the sort of, the way most shows are run is it's a, it's a group effort. You spend a lot of your time in the writer's room with anywhere from four to 12 other writers all breaking the same story collaboratively and, and everybody pitching on everybody else's ideas. And, you know, somebody has an idea and somebody else has a pitch on top of it that makes it better and a little bit different. And you kind of talk out the ramifications and the showrunner decides on, okay, here's the way we're going to go. And, you know, 
the showrunner kind of helps you steer it and signs off on every decision. And it's not until the story is broken, which means sort of figured out, that you actually go off and physically sit down at your desk and actually write it. And that, that process to break the story usually takes about a week, sometimes a little more, and shows vary in terms of how thoroughly it needs to be broken. Some shows, it's just a rough sketch of each scene, and the writer fleshes a lot of it out on his, his or her own when they're off writing it. Other shows, you know, the showrunner wants to know every single thing that's going to happen in that scene before you go off to write it, so there's no surprises. Uh, those episodes will take longer to break, of course. But yeah, it, there, it's, there's just less isolation in television, and it's much more collaborative. Uh, and even you know, once you've written your script for television, it's going to go to the showrunner, who most likely will take a pass, sometimes a very heavy pass, and rewrite a lot of what you've done. Other times, a very light pass, and will just kind of tweak some scenes to maintain the consistent voice. Whereas in comic books, uh, I think there's less rewriting than that. It's been a long time since I've been writing anything at Marvel or DC, but I, I don't think editors really rewrite you so much as just give you notes uh, that you then rewrite and implement on your own. You mentioned the isolated experience versus the writer's room. For someone who started out doing comics, was it a challenge getting into a room where there's many voices and you have to, any sort of social interaction with a group, you always have to find that appropriate time to kind of chime in and find your time to express your ideas. Yeah. Your experience, did you find that challenging? Yeah, a little challenging, I think. It was definitely, I, I was more nervous about it than I ended up needing to be. I was so used, I'm an introvert and I, I have no problem being alone for long periods of time. So I was a little apprehensive about being thrown into a writer's room because I thought, God, what if I'm not just psychologically built for this? Uh, and it turns out that I was, or I am, I should say. Uh, and, and it wasn't that much of an adjustment. The biggest adjustment was really... Uh, you know, being in a room for eight hours a day with people just talking story can be taxing. Just listening to that all day long. Uh, it's happened less and less, but over the years, my first week on a show, I usually end up with a headache at the end of the day, just, you know, because it's it's such a kind of information overload and it's such a, a jarring adjustment to my life before going on a show where I'm just by myself in a room. Uh, so just taking in all that uh, input leaves me a bit taxed. Uh, but that's gotten less and less over the years. But it was an adjustment. And I think some people are built for writer's rooms more than others. Some people, and there are some showrunners who hate writer's rooms and just don't have them, don't use them, uh, because they they like to, to kind of, they like their solitude and work individually. Um, but for me, it wasn't a huge adjustment. Uh, I, I took to it fairly well, I think. Moving to production, one thing to note is that obviously with TV and film, you have storyboards. And a comic book, in a way, almost could be compared to a storyboard, just the way that it looks. Would you say that there's a comparison there? Could a comic book be used to be a storyboard for TV or film? I don't think it could really be used for a storyboard. I mean, because storyboards are usually more detailed than comic. Detailed in the sense that they break down action more specifically than a comic book does, because you're breaking down literally shot by shot, uh, which is more goes into more minutia than a comic book usually does. There are some like a sometimes a comic book fight scene could be used as a bit of a storyboard, but they but they kind of serve slightly different purposes. Uh, so I, I don't think you could ever really use a comic book uh, as a storyboard. Um, 
And storyboards are really, in my experience, uh, like on Supergirl, we only do storyboards for action scenes, really. And I think that varies show to show. Uh, but the storyboards, we only we only really break out when there's a complicated action scene that, that we need to kind of get our heads around. Tell us about the relationship between when writing comics. You know, you mentioned many things can get resolved with just a phone call. The writer can call the artist and convey what they're looking to, you know, achieve. As opposed to from the script to, let's say, the cinematographer, obviously there's a few more steps. Maybe it's the showrunner conveying that. From your experience in the writer's room, is that a different feeling, having written something but not quite having the control to really make sure that it looks the way you wrote it? I mean, there are processes set up in in TV production that for the week before you shoot an episode or the eight days before you shoot an episode, whatever, there's a prep period where you know, the crew that's shooting that episode, the department heads, the director, the DP, everybody is just focused on that script and going through it line by line, scene by scene, and figuring out how they're going to shoot it. So there are a lot of phone calls, a lot of meetings that uh, on most shows the writers are involved with. It varies show to show just how much a writer is empowered. Um, I've been lucky that the shows I've worked on, the writer is usually pretty involved. Uh, so that's your opportunity to answer questions or to do any kind of course correction. Uh, you know, if you hear them talking about something and you're realizing, wait, that they're not quite getting what I had envisioned, then you can chime in with, oh, no, actually, guys, it should be more like this. And it's also a, an opportunity for them to say, like, hey, this, I know you guys wrote this scene where they're playing mini golf, but we're going to be shooting it in Vancouver in January and it's, it's going to be snowing, it's going to be raining. What if we put it somewhere else? What if we had them go bowling where it's inside and we can control it? Those are opportunities where you have to be collaborative and work with you know, the production crew to find an alternative that sort of serves the same story you're telling, but makes it more friendly for production, makes it more achievable. Uh, so it's still very collaborative in the same way that comic books are. It just involves a lot more people. And you're going to be having a lot of meetings and phone calls and that sort of thing to kind of make sure everything's consistent down the line. And what about the editing phase? Would you say there's any similarities at all between writing a comic and having that editor come in and kind of edit the script with you as opposed to an editor who in TV and film comes in later on down the road and really kind of pieces everything together? I think the term editor in film and TV is a very different job title than the editor in a, in a comic book. Because the editor in a comic book is sort of more akin to the showrunner uh, in terms of, you know, if you're talking about a Marvel or a DC comic, that editor is the one who has final say. He or she is the one who's going to go, you know, over the comic book when the art comes in and when the coloring comes in and, and you know, correct any errors or make any adjustments that need to be made. Uh, whereas in TV, the editor is the one who's physically assembling the scenes and turning it into a show, but the showrunner and the directors are the ones who kind of have the final say over, I mean, really the studio is, but for our purposes, it's the, ed- the, the director and the showrunner sit there with the editor and go through it and chime in with, oh, this, you know, we really need more of a close up on this scene and, and, oh, could the music swell a little bit more here? Uh, one area where they are very similar uh, is there's a thing in, in editing and post-production called ADR, which is where you add dialogue after the fact uh, to cover up somebody's jumbled line or if the story isn't quite tracking and you need to add a bit of dialogue uh, to help it along. You know, you do that when you're on the back of a character's head, that kind of thing. You record it after the fact. 
And in comic books, you can do that to a much greater degree where you can change dialogue. You can adjust the lettering if the art doesn't quite convey what you were hoping to. And in comic books, you have much more freedom, obviously, because it's just lettering. You can change as much or as little as you need to. Whereas in film and television, that ADR process is only a bit like a Band-Aid. You can do a little bit, but comic books affords you a much more uh, freedom in how you can fix stuff like that. Moving away from the process, we're kind of moving linearly through the process of production. But we haven't talked about the pitch. As far as pitching, let's say you have a TV show you're trying to pitch to a studio and you have a comic book you want to pitch to a publisher, would you say that the art of the pitch for both is similar? Are there any key differences? I think in terms of the mechanics of of what you're pitching, they're not that different. I think film and TV probably want more detail than a comic book publisher would need. The other big difference is that in the film and TV world, when you go in to pitch something, you may have written materials with you, but nine times out of 10, you're going to be pitching this thing verbally. You're going to be doing your like little presentation where you're physically in the room with the people who can buy it, pitching it to them. And you're, you're telling them a story. You're reading from your pitch document. So it's a skill set that writers are generally not known for. We're not expected to have, but you have to be a bit of a, a, a salesman and, and have some... Uh, you know, some kind of charisma. You have to engage with people, look them in the eye, keep their attention. Whereas in the comic book world, if you're pitching a book, nine times out of 10, you're just sending a written document to someone who's going to read it and then get back to you as to whether or not they want to do it or whether they have questions or notes. Uh, So that sort of uh, performance aspect of it doesn't exist nearly as much in the comic book world. And then for you, as far as your career, you know, you've obviously achieved a lot so far. What about your career trajectory moving forward? Are there milestones that you want to achieve in particular? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely want to sell a pilot. You know, I want, I want to sell a pilot. I want to get a pilot made. I want to get a show on the air. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of the trajectory that I'm on now in terms of my TV career. Yeah, I think that that's pretty much what I want to achieve next. Are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions? We just have a couple. Sure, yeah. First one. We haven't talked yet at all about self-publishing, but I know you have done some digital comics before. What are your thoughts on self-publishing for those writers who are listening who want to you know, maybe write a comic and get started, haven't done that yet? Would you suggest that method first, as opposed to trying to write something and just go straight to a big publisher? I think if you, if you have the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, that yes, self-publishing is, is a great avenue to get published right now. And it's, and it's sort of a, with the internet and with digital publishing and reading comics online, it's an avenue that didn't really exist you know, 20 years ago when I was breaking in. So it's huge. Uh, I haven't done any actual self-publishing. I've done some digital comics, but they were published on Brian Vaughn's panel syndicate platform. Um, so even then, kind of he was technically the publisher. Uh, but it's something I'm looking into doing. I'm kind of enamored with the idea of kickstarting something that you know I have complete control over and there's no publisher involved. It's a little extra work, um, but it's never been easier to you know create your own comic and just put it online. You know, you may not make any money at it. Uh, in fact, you probably won't make much money at it, but it's a great way to just get your work out there and just show that you can do the work because the best way to convince someone that you can write a comic is to write a comic is, is, uh, is smug as that sounds. Uh, it really is, you know, having, having proof, even just digitally that you can 
put together a story and tell a story is you know going to do wonders for you. If you could take any writer to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you choose? Which restaurant and why? Oh boy, let me see here. Let me think. I would take Brian Vaughn to a burger joint in Seattle called Dick's Drive-In because it's a fun, greasy fast food place. And Brian is one of my favorite writers and one of my closest friends. And I haven't seen him in like five months (laughs) and I miss him. So that is why I would take Brian Vaughn out uh, for burgers at Dick's Drive-In. Love that. The next question, if you had to choose one piece of advice or learning from your career that you'd like to pass along to those writers listening right now, what would you say? I would say focus on quality over quantity. I think early in my career, I I lived in New York for a while when I lived in Brooklyn. uh, And so I was close to Marvel and DC. Their offices were in Manhattan. And so I could pop into the offices and, you know, go to lunch with an editor. And that was a big advantage because I was sort of on everybody's mind. You know, I was I was a frequent face. And it led to gigs where, oh, hey, this book is late. Can you write an issue over the weekend? to do a fill-in and get us back on time. And I would always say, yes, you know, I wanted more work. Uh, and I don't know that that served me well. I got known as a fast writer, which I still am. But at the same time, I think I would have been better served to focus a little more on the quality of my writing, not just how many gigs can I bang out as quickly as possible onto the next thing. So, you know, it's tempting to say yes to everything that comes your way. But Try to be a little more selective than I was, I think would be my piece of advice. Love that. My last question, drum roll, please. Normally, if my producer was here with me, which he's not because it's quarantine, I would say hand me an envelope. Uh, He's obviously not here, so I can't do that. But the envelope says, did you have fun talking to us today about writing for TV and comics? I know it's kind of a weird one to compare the two. (laughs) I did have fun. It's, uh, It's been great. I love talking shop. Well, we appreciate it. Before we go, did you want to plug any website, social media, your Twitter, anything at all? Yeah, you can find me. I'm most active on Twitter, and it's just at my name, at Jay Ferber. And yeah, uh, Supergirl will be uh, coming back to our airwaves sometime in 2021, knock on wood. And uh, stay tuned to my Twitter, and I'll be announcing uh, some fun comic book stuff, uh, hopefully before too long. Well, thank you, Jay. We really appreciate your insights and your time. It was an honor. Good luck with Supergirl and comics as well. And keep us posted. Thanks again. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the writer experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating a review and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at writer experience and Twitter and Facebook at writer exp. The writer experience is a samurai dinosaur production copyright 2019 all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.